Welcome to the MCG Podcast. In today's episode, we talk with MCG consultant Bill Rayburn and ophthalmologist Dr. Thomas Prater, who is a cataract and refractive surgeon from Maddox New Prater Eye Center and Surgery Center in Missouri. Over the last few months, there have been plenty of experts discussing the negative effects of COVID-19 on ophthalmology. However, we want to press pause on that for a moment to spotlight a little positivity. Today, Dr. Prater shares ways in which he and his team have managed to spin this new situation to their advantage. Hi everyone, I'm Leah, your host, Bill and Dr. Prater, thanks for joining. Thank you, thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Recently in our last podcast, we spoke with a retina surgeon and an optometrist who practice out of Mississippi, and they were telling us a little bit about how they've used this extra time during the stay-at-home order to try out some changes in their practice. And now that we've got you here, we'd love to get your take as a cataract and refractive surgeon. Did you make any changes to either adapt to COVID or simply strengthen your practice? And, and how did those changes positively affect three areas in particular, your clinic, your surgery center, and your patients? So maybe we could start with your clinic. Well, we made, we made some significant changes. The first uh, five to six weeks after we closed our practice to any elective surgery, we divided our staff up into teams. We had team A and team B that each worked subsequent weeks with the doctors split between those two teams, thinking that if we had someone uh, get infected or exposed and need to be quarantined, we wouldn't lose the uh, remainder of the office. If we have a, a resurgence in the fall, we may go back to that same technique to always have somebody available to provide the care. So during that uh, time period when we were paying our staff, but paying them to stay at home, uh, the ones who were in the office did some significant uh, deep cleaning. It did some updates on, on equipment and software. The staff who were at home, especially the management staff, we asked them to do some uh, continuing education, some reading. One of the doctors assigned uh, the book Good to Great. The other uh, assigned The Great Game of Business. So things that maybe weren't in their, uh, on their library shelf or their bedside table, but we had them read that. And I think there was some appreciation of some, some business techniques that maybe we hadn't uh, refreshed in a while. So in addition to changes to your practice, uh, what about continuing education? Did you have an opportunity to focus on your own CE? Well, yes, it was, a, it was a nice opportunity to do some online continuing education just to keep up with the hours and uh, update me on new topics that maybe I was unaware of. More interestingly, to do continuing education on the COVID-19 and coronavirus. Uh, Dr. Prater, what opportunity have you had to interact with patients? I, I know you were only seeing emergent patients or, or pe- people that really needed to be seen and, and uh, I know your staff did a good job of triaging those for you, but what was the response from patients uh, to coming into the office? Well, most patients who needed to be seen appreciated that they, we were there to see them. A lot of patients were grateful that we canceled their appointments. I think that that first month or so, there was so much uncertainty that patients didn't know how we would be dealing with, with cleaning in the office. How would we be dealing with social distancing? So most people were glad that we canceled. Sure, there were some folks who were ready to have their second eye cataract uh, surgery completed who were not not upset, but uh, just frustrated that they had to wait. But I think overall, the response we see, received was positive. Now, I know you did a lot of uh, communication with your patients because I was involved with, with, with some of those discussions with you. Did you get any uh, comments back from anyone on on the communication between the practice, you, the practice, and, and the patients? 
we try to communicate in several different ways. Social media, of course, we're finding that more and more of our cataract age patients pay attention to social media. Our biggest strength was the fact that we have a great crew on the phones. Uh, technicians who were free could make phone calls. Uh, our regular phone staff was um, at half strength, but able to make phone calls. So it was a lot of, of touch, personal touch to our patients. And I think that uh, reassured them and made them know that, hey, we're still here for you, even if we can't see you right now. So now that we're reopened, what does the process within your ASC look like? Are, are there any changes or what are you guys doing now? Well, during our shutdown, our ASC staff did a lot of planning uh, cleaning. Uh, we had some new staff that needed to be trained, so we accomplished all that, ready to open back up. When we opened up, we started a little bit slowly. We monitored our local health situation. Were we prepared, were the hospitals in town prepared with enough PPE that we didn't feel like we were going to consume supplies inappropriately on elective surgery? Were the infection rates low enough, the case count low enough that we weren't heading up that curve? And we looked at those things before we opened. Then we opened slowly. We opened with about a half normal load to make sure that we could do the social distancing, the spacing in our preoperative and postoperative areas. We asked that family members wait in the car instead of being in the waiting room or being in our viewing area, uh, which was disappointing because that's a, a big plus our practice has is a viewing area for family members to watch surgery. And we talked to patients both in the pre-op phone call and as they walked in the door about uh, their health. Have you been sick? Have you had a fever? We checked their temperature. And I think that was reassuring to patients. At, at first, we didn't ask them to wear a mask. We've, we've since asked them while they're in the waiting area to wear a mask. And our staff, of course, is, is masked all the time now. We've since found that maybe we were overcautious. We were um, easily able to handle a ramp up. We're probably operating at between 75 and 80% capacity now. Still feel like we're addressing all the safety issues that we need. For those, for those people that are listening, Dr. Prater, to you today, to, the, to this podcast, that haven't opened up yet, and there are really a number of centers that could be listening today that, that haven't opened up uh, across the country, uh, what would you advise them to, to do from your experience? You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. What would you do uh, differently or, or at least advise them to do? Yeah, I, I think that the important thing is what's going on in your community. What are, what are the, the exposure rates, infection rates, case counts in your community? And fortunately, we have a very robust public health system here that displays a, an online dashboard of hospital preparedness, uh, ICU capacity, number of tests and the pos positive rate on the, on the tests that were done. So in your own community, that still may be an issue and you may have to open up very slowly or at a reduced level. The question comes up and different communities are going to address this differently. What about uh, COVID-19 testing in uh, pre-op elective surgery? And I think the recommendations nationally that we've seen are if you have a readily available test that will return rapid results, then sure, that might be appropriate for screening elective surgery patients. Neither one of our major hospitals have that ability yet. And they're talking about it. They're, uh, as they open back up for their elective surgeries, they're talking about screening people, but the system is not adequately in place yet. We are not doing that. 
it's a, it's a little intellectually hard to grasp why you would screen somebody three or four days in advance and assume they're still going to be negative the day of surgery. We don't have a system yet that would allow us to screen somebody as they're walking in the door. And even then, we know that people who screen negative may still be infectious. And are we treating ourselves or are we treating the patient? Now, regulations are going to differ in different communities. I do think starting slow was helpful for us. There was some anxiety on the part of our staff. You know, am I going to get exposed to a lot of sick patients right off the bat? I think by starting slow and gradually ramping back up, which was just over the course of two weeks, it, it wasn't a long period of time that we, uh, we, we stayed slow. I think that was reassuring to staff, and it was also reassuring to the doctors to know that, yes, we've watched them handle this, and they're doing it, they're doing it the right way. You know, I, I've had a number of calls from clients all around the country and, and just people in general asking this question. And, and so I'd like your perspective on it. But the, the question is, Bill, you know, h- how long will it be till my practice gets back to, to where it was pre-COVID? And will it ever get back there? And, you know, will patients return? Yeah, that's the that's the $100,000 question then is when will we be back to normal? And I, I had a full clinic this morning, almost a normal level clinic. Yes, there were different procedures in place for seeing patients and screening patients, but we're seeing pent up demand. We still had a slightly higher no-show rate on our, on our clinic appointments. Again, I think that people you know, may be nervous about coming out. But we've reassured them as we call them to remind them here are the precautions we're taking. So when will we be normal? I don't think we know yet. I don't think we can answer. And, and that leads to a whole other set of planning steps that we can talk about in a few minutes. With what the public health people are telling us, I don't think we'll be normal through the end of the year. Will we run at 90%? Probably. Will we run at 75%? I hope we're doing better than that. Did you get any uh, especially helpful assistance from advisors over the last few months? For example, attorneys and CPAs, consultants, maybe even sales reps? We leaned heavily on, on several different groups of people. We received a, a payroll protection loan, and that was because we have a good relationship with our local bankers. We received the uh, accelerated payment for Medicare Part A, which will tied us through this, uh, this cash flow issue. And that'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the next 90 days, 120 days to see where our cash stands. But I think having a good relationship with your financial folks, your bankers is good because we may need to tap a line of credit. If we're back 75 to 80% of normal and our expenses remain the same, then we'll be talking with our bank about a line of credit. So those relationships I think are helpful. Our accountant was able to help navigate through the ever-changing rules uh, that the SBA has put out regarding these loans and help us plan, can, can we pay a lease with some of these things? Can we pay our rent? Uh, what level of staffing do we need to maintain? And then our consultants um, at Medical Consulting Group, uh, very helpful because they kind of know what best practices are, have been around the country and uh, are able to guide us through what other places are doing able to to look at some of the best practices in running surgery centers in an environment like this. So I would encourage anybody who's in a private practice, don't don't try to think you can do this on your own. You can't. We're we're doctors. We're not business people. We're not 
bankers, we're not accountants, we're not consultants. At, reach out for help. This is why you've developed these relationships over the years, and it's time to tap into them. Dr. Prater, as you look forward to the next six months, what issues is the practice dealing with? Basically, what we're looking at over the next six months is as we see where patient levels come back to, as we see where collections come back to, then what are we doing with all of our providers, our, our MDs and our optometrists? Are we, uh, are we staffing appropriately? Do we need to have four providers in the clinic at a time to allow social spacing in the waiting room? Or can we ramp back up to our standard five providers at a time? The revenue stream will be different. The overhead will be different. Do we need to right-size our staffing levels? Uh, if the patients don't come back for six months, are we appropriately staffed? And previously, unemployment was so low that if we had a, a, a good person in, the, in a position, gosh, we want to do everything to keep them. Now, is our overhead going to be too high to sustain? And with unemployment being higher, are we going to, say, look in six months or nine months to refill positions that maybe people have left or retired or, or just normal attrition? So that's one thing we're looking at and pretty carefully. And then, you know, there's, there's some fatigue out there with dealing with this issue. We don't want to get sloppy in terms of keeping patients safe, keeping our staff safe. And so it's going to, I think, take constant reminders from, from the MDs as to, now, wait a minute, we're slipping here a little bit on our, on our protocols for patient safety and for staff safety. Yes, I know the curve is flat. Yes, we haven't seen a case in our, in our town in a week or two, but we know that it's out there. We know we don't have a vaccine for a while, so let's not get sloppy and be a practice that manages to spread the virus around. So, so I think your point, your previous point was, now's a good time to really look at a business plan, a strategy that takes into consideration what's relevant today and what may or may not happen, which is 100% capacity for the future. Well, I think that's right. I don't think any of us see 100% capacity coming for you know, at least 10 to 12 months. So what are you going to do about that? And you've got the extra, most, most providers have the extra time on their hands. The staff may be pretty busy right now, but I think it's time to sit down and look at your business plan and say, okay, we've always done something like this because we've always done something like this. Is this the best time for us to look at staffing levels and efficiency or productivity because we may need to operate lean and mean for a while? Okay, Bill, Dr. Prater, thanks for being here. Thank you. Well, you're very welcome. Thanks for listening to the MCG podcast. Listen to more medical industry podcasts by visiting medcgroup.com. Then click the podcast icon or subscribe on your favorite podcast provider.